G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. It is a Tuesday and our opportunity as we do on a Tuesday and I almost get the feeling that when Jesus said you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, this Tuesday opportunity with Ron Ross is like going from the ends of the earth back to Samaria, to Judea and into Jerusalem, finding out what's going on at almost home base. Ron Ross back with us. Hi, Ron. Welcome back to 2020. I'll go back any time. <laughs> okay. Well, it's a, a wonderful thing to be able to reflect on what's happening in that part of the world, around Israel, around the Middle East, uh, because it has such significance in biblical times and then into biblical prophecy for the future. Let's talk about some things that are going on. Of course, it was very controversial, Ron, uh, when the American president, Donald Trump, announced that the U.S. embassy would be moved to Jerusalem. And now Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister, has invited Donald Trump to the inauguration of that U.S. embassy in May. At the weekly cabinet meeting... Prime Minister Netanyahu said, over the weekend we learned that President Trump has decided to move the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, on this coming Independence Day. I would like to thank President Trump for both his leadership and his friendship. Netanyahu also said that the move will have significant and historic long-range implications. Uh, They've actually likened it uh, in history to the Balfour Declaration. He said, this is a great moment for the citizens of Israel, and this is an historic moment for the state of Israel. We will celebrate it together, all our citizens. Other prominent Israeli officials also welcomed the announcement from the Trump administration that the U.S. Embassy would move uh, on Israel's 70th anniversary. Thank you for fulfilling your promise to bring the U.S. Embassy home to Jerusalem as we celebrate 70 years of Israel, uh, 50 years of our reunited and eternal capital uh, near Burkett, the Jerusalem mayor put on Twitter. This is a recognition of Jerusalem, not just in words, but in deeds. I'm sure over the next few months we'll hear a lot about uh, the move of the uh, U.S. Embassy, which, by the way, is only a minor move. Uh, it's a very small office within an existing building. And over the next two years, the Americans will be looking around for a site for a, a bigger U.S. Embassy. But this first step is gigantic. Uh, with a lot of symbolism in there, and that symbolism undoubtedly will raise lots of controversy in the lead-up to that time in May. Ron, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, one of the holiest sites in all of Israel, it's been closed by religious authorities in a move the Jerusalem Post describes as a move designed to clobber Israel. What's the story there? Yeah, it's a very sad situation. Christian leaders took the rare step uh, on Sunday of closing Jerusalem's Church of the Holy Sepulchre, built where tradition holds Jesus was buried, 
in protest of Israeli tax measures and the proposed property law. It was not clear how long the closure of the church, announced by Christian officials at a news conference, would last. Church officials said only that it would be until further notice. The church is considered the holiest site in Christianity, built where Christians believe Jesus was crucified, buried and resurrected, and is a major pilgrimage site. As a measure of protest, we decided to take this unprecedented step of closure of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, Greek Orthodox Armenian Apostolic and Catholic leaders said in a statement. Uh, now, it's important for us to note uh, that these religious authorities are not considered to be friends of Israel. Our friend in Jerusalem, uh, Christian tour guide Stan Goodenough, uh, reported Israel's hundreds of millions of evangelical supporters do not regard these religious authorities as representing the truth faith. Their attitude is laced with anti-Semitism and hate of Israel. I would also add they are mostly connected with replacement theology. And there's a grave concern among Israel authorities that these events will cast a negative light on their national democracy. Very significant, and the first time there's been a closure there for a thousand years. Ron, let's talk about a discovery. What is a seal, or it's thought to be a seal, from the prophet Isaiah discovered in Jerusalem? Yeah, this is, uh, of course, a, a point of conjecture at the moment, but the hand of the prophet Isaiah himself may have created an 8th century seal impression discovered in the first temple remains near Jerusalem's Temple Mount, according to Hebrew University archaeologist Dr. Elat Mathar. We appear to have discovered a seal impression which may have belonged to the prophet Isaiah in a scientific archaeological excavation, she said. Mars's team uncovered the minuscule bulla, or seal impression, during renewed excavations of the Ophel, located at the foot of the southern wall of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. The discovery was published in an article, Is This the Prophet Isaiah's Signature?, as part of a massive March-June issue of the Biblical Archaeological Review dedicated to its recent retired founding editor, Herschel Shanks. The clay impression is inscribed with letters and what appears to be a grazing doe, a motif of blessing and protection found in Judah. The oval-shaped bulla, however, is not intact. On its legible portion, there's an inscription with First Temple Hebrew letters that seem to spell out the name Layesha U, belonging to Isaiah in English. On a line below, there's a partial word, Neveh, which is presumably spells out prophet. Because the bulla has been slightly damaged at the end of Neveh, it's not known if it originally ended with the Hebrew letter Aleph, which would have resulted in the Hebrew word for prophet, and would have definitely identified the seal as the signature of the prophet Isaiah. Uh, it was interesting that it was found near some of the artifacts from King Hezekiah, and it was known that Hezekiah and Isaiah were very closely related. If it's the case that this bulla is indeed that of the prophet Isaiah, then it should not come as a surprise 
to discover this bullet next to one bearing King Hezekiah's name, given the symbiotic relationship of Isaiah and King Hezekiah, uh, Mazar said. Uh, As they say in their report, it's a discovery of biblical proportions. And sometimes easy to underestimate just how important the prophets of the Old Testament were. Another prophet story in the news and progress having been made now on saving the prophet Nahum's tomb in Iraq. Yeah, the tomb of the prophet Nahum lies in the ancient Christian town of Al-Kush, overlooking Nineveh Plains. Nahum was one of the minor prophets who predicted the destruction of the city of Nineveh, located in the outskirts of modern-day Mosul. The tomb is on the border region between the Kurdistan region of Iraq and Mosul. For centuries, the tomb was a major site of Jewish pilgrimage, and many Kurdish Jews would come to the tomb and synagogue around it, which is thought to date back more than 800 years. In the 1940s and 1950s, Jews of the region moved to Israel and the town's Christian residents took care of the tomb as best they could. After the invasion of Iraq in 2003, there was talk of restoring the tomb and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers even paid a visit. In 2014, Islamic State conquered the plains below the tomb and threatened the site. Kurdish Peshmerga and the U.S.-led coalition pushed the extremists back. In 2017, conservation experts told Cheryl Bernard that it looked worse than it had been a few years before and might not survive another winter. Bernard, who holds a Ph.D. in international relations and has worked at the Rand Corporation, hoped the Alliance for the Restoration of Cultural Heritage could help save the site. Bernard and her team rushed to get the funding. There happened to be a Czech firm working on preserving the ancient citadel in her bill, the capital of the Kurdistan region. Uh, They stepped in and assisted her, and restoration has begun. Ron, there's a series of special memorial feasts in Israel, and those things that are remembered from times way, way, way in the distant past have such significance even for the people of Israel today. There's a feast coming up this coming week. It's the Feast of Purim, and two days on Thursday, and Thursday, Wednesday night Israel time, but all about remembering the events of the book of Esther in the Old Testament. There's an ancient saying in Israel, they tried to kill us, we won, let's eat. And that seems to be the right slogan for Purim. They go bonkers. That phrase is directly linked to the fun-filled festivities enjoyed during the Jewish Feast of Purim. It's without doubt one of the most hilarious two days you could ever live. I remember driving my car around Jerusalem at night and uh, being confronted by dancing young people with purple hair, yellow hair, uh, multicolored hair, and uh, in all sorts of outlandish costumes. The Book of Esther, commonly called the Megillah, is read during the two-day party. The story is set more than 2,000 years ago in Persia and emphasizes how the people escaped a diabolical plot. It reflects a cycle of existence the Jews have faced from one generation to the next. The Bible story relates how King 
Akash Varosh held a large party, which his queen refused to attend. As was the way with ancient kings, she was replaced by a new queen, Esther the Jewess. The timing was perfect. Esther's uncle Mordecai uncovered a plot to assassinate the king, which escalated his popularity and influence in the royal court. That relationship proved particularly valuable when Haman, boo, the king's... The Jews will never mention the name Haman, you've got to boo. Okay. The king's senior advisor began to plot the destruction of all the Jews in Persia. Biblical Persia, by the way, is the modern-day Iran. Esther courageously reported that plot to the king, who reversed the wicked decree. Haman was sent to the gallows, and Mordecai, who was mentor to Esther, was appointed prime minister. It's a fascinating study. The name Esther in Hebrew means hidden. The Hebrew word Megillah means scroll, and that relates to the word ligalot, which means to reveal. Esther was originally a Megillah, a scroll, and that which is hidden in this book is revealed to those who will inquire. And you will notice in the book of Esther, God is never mentioned. He's in there, he's hidden, you search for him, you find him. So if I say Haman, you say... Boo! (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing when you're with a large group of people. (laughs) I can imagine. Ron Ross, just an entertaining insight, and all so current, really breaking news as things are happening in the Middle East right now and from the latest headlines even overnight. Uh, encouragement too to listeners to have a little look into the book of Esther this coming week as people in Israel are celebrating Purim. And Ron Ross, always just love your insights. Thanks so much for sharing them again with us today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.